0: It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Let's teach the Word for a few minutes tonight. We're teaching on receiving from God. Now, let me just say this to kind of catch you up you know, to where we're at. You can go to the book of James, real quick, right after the book of Hebrews, kind of at the end of your Bible. Much of Christianity adheres to the doctrine that God can do something. You can fill in that blank however you want to. Amen? God can do something about my finances. God can do something about my physical health. God can do something about my family situation. God can do something about uh, you know, my situation with my children. Whatever it may be, most Christians will agree that God can do something. But the question that gets raised, and this is where a lot of people get into conflict, is will He? Will God do it? Now, if you'll study the scripture and study the Word of God, you'll see that Jesus' earth walk, 33 and a half years, which only three and a half of those years were supernatural, we have four documentations of those years. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in your Bible—it's called the Gospels. Now, in those, there are 19 supernatural manifestations of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, they're rehearsed in in each of the Gospels. Uh, 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 many of them are repeated. Uh, But all we have documentation of is 19 of them. Now you say you think he did more? He did. John said if all the things that Jesus did were put in books that the world itself could not contain it. So he did a whole lot more. But obviously God, by the Holy Ghost, wanted us to see 19 of them. Everything from lepers being healed, blind people being healed, deaf people being healed, uh, devils being cast out, supernatural provision, the calming of the sea, power over weather, all of that that was done according to religion was done by the Lord Jesus Christ in order to to vindicate His deity. Amen? Some of y'all probably came from a denomination that taught that. Now let me ask you a question. If He was going to vindicate His deity anywhere, wouldn't He do it in His own hometown? in Nazareth but the Bible says when he came to Nazareth he could do no, no mighty works except he laid his hands on a few sick people now if you study that in the Greek that literally means on a few people with minor ailments the word few literally means more than two less than six so he got four or five people healed of ingrown toenail or a cold now that, that listen that isn't vindicating your deity So obviously it was not the vindication of his deity that he was trying to prove. Out of those 19 miraculous events that took place, one of them being uh, water being turned into wine at a a marriage feast, uh, many healings. Of those, 12 of them were initiated by the individual that had the need. Jesus responded to those 12. He responded to their faith and said things like, your faith has made you whole or great is your faith or your faith has freed you. He, he literally did that according to their initiation of it. Now, I believe God's trying to tell us something here. You say, Pastor, do you really think you can get God to do something? That's the problem. You can't get God to do something. That's where we've lost it in religion. Religion is trying to get God to do something. They have no revelation of redemption. Redemption is what God has already done. Amen. Amen. How many would agree that anybody, any place on this planet, any the gospel is preached could get saved? How many would agree with that? Do they? Amen. I mean, between the hours of... Uh, uh, you know, we, we, I usually take the pulpit about five minutes till 8 and try to get finished by 8.30. And so that'll be a, that's a, about a 30, 35-minute block. How many uh, gospel programs will be on the radio, on the television, on the Internet? How many thousands, even millions of people will view those, hear those? And how many will turn around and say, no? Same thing's true of healing. Same thing's true of prosperity. Same thing is true of every doctrine in the Word of God. Listen, God's not going to do it. He's already done it. Now, that removes that element of, quote, sovereignty. See, the religion throws up in, in the face of those, and, you know, I don't like to use the term Word of Faith because Word of Faith is not a movement. Let me say that again. Word of faith is not a movement. Word of faith is what the word produces. The word produces faith. So you're part of that word of faith crowd. Absolutely. What other crowd is there? Word of doubt? Word of unbelief? Word of fear? Amen? No. We must understand that religion will... F- yeah, God, God can save... But whether he saves or not, well, that, that, that's up to his sovereign will. Well, God can heal, but whether he heals or not, well, you know, that's up to his sovereign will. And then they'll go to examples like the man at the miracle pool in John chapter 5. And say, well, you know, that guy, he didn't have any faith. He didn't even know who Jesus was. God just sovereignly healed him. You know, that's right. And did you know God still does that? It's called a sign. It's called a sign. We talked about, you know, uh, in, our, in our healing series when we taught on uh, divine healing and divine health, you know, great uh, healing ministries like, like Pastor Benny Hinn, like Catherine Kuhlman, like Oral Roberts. I mean, I don't care what kind of critic you are, you can't deny that something went on in those ministries because there's documented proof of it. Amen. Amen. Now, we've said this, you could go to one of those meetings and you may or may not get healed. Amen. You may, you may get healed, but you may not get healed. But you may, but you may not. But any person, any place, any time on this planet can take the Word of God and get healed. You say, why? Because God's already done it. Healing has already been supplied. Prosperity has already been supplied. Salvation. God, listen, you could have got saved years before you did. But you didn't. You got saved when You did. You could have got filled with the Holy Ghost years before you did. But you didn't. You got it when you did. You know, I was was saved when I was six years old. I still remember. You know, spiritual things never grow old. Mental things grow old. But spiritual things never grow old. Amen. And, you know, I remember being being saved as a six-year-old boy in Aletha Groover's Sunday school class, First Assembly of God Church in Pasadena, Texas. I remember being filled with the Holy Ghost around the altar in that same church in 1962 because I heard myself speaking a language I did not know. Now, I served God till I was 12, 13 years old. Then I got away from God, 14 years old. Then I got away from God for several years. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you honestly. The whole time that I was away from God, living like the devil, doing all kinds of bad stuff, I never did not believe God. I never did. I never doubted signs or wonders or miracles. I never doubted the power of God. I mean, there were even times we'd even witnessed to the people. They thought we were crazy. I mean, they thought we were crazy. We had a, I worked for store cable communications up on the mainland. This would have been in the late 70s, or early 80s. The, the, actually, about three years before I came back to the Lord. And there was a, 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 a friend of mine who was a technician. I was a technician. He was a technician also. We took care of the main lines. And, and, and his wife was a devout Baptist. I mean a, a, a strong Baptist believer. And her, her, her husband was just a heathen like me, just, you know, running crazy, doing crazy stuff. And my, my uncle, my mother's brother, had passed away. And my cousin from California had come in for the funeral. And so, you know, after the funeral, we went out and started partying. We ended up over at his house. So we were over at his house drinking Miller beer and smoking dope. That's what we were doing. And she just she couldn't take it no more. She burst through the door and she just started preaching like a woman on fire. I mean, just preaching. You gotta, you need to get your lives right. I can't believe people like you. I just got me on. She went. Don't you know God love? You, you gotta burn it. Hey, I mean, she was tearing us up. <laughs> and me and my cousin Joey, we're sitting on the couch, both backslidden Pentecostals, you know. We're sitting on the couch, and I just looked at her. And I had a big old joint in my hand. I went like this. I said, what you Baptists need is to get filled with the Holy Ghost. That's what I did. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. She looked at me with fire in her eyes, and she said, if that's what you have, I don't want it. And brother, that was like a knife going through my heart. Six years later, at Church of the Living God, I'm preaching the gospel, and who walks up the aisle to get filled with the Holy Ghost? But that friend of mine's wife, who I told that to. And she looked at me after the service and she says, It's real. When I saw you up there preaching, I knew it was real. <laughs> Amen. I never didn't believe. But you got to understand, there's a fight in your mind and what your adversary wants you to get off of your. It's called unbelief. You can't unbelieve something you hadn't first believed. Amen. So he wants to get you into unbelief. That's why Jesus could do no mighty works in Nazareth. The Bible says because of their unbelief. Now listen, this is the creator of the universe. This is the one who could spin the earth in the opposite direction. This is the one that could heal any disease. This is the one that raised Lazarus after being dead four days in the tomb. And the Bible says he stank and he got him out of the tomb, raised him from the dead. And unbelief shut him down. The same thing today will shut him down. It shuts down the power of the Word. It shuts down the ability of the Holy Ghost. And that's unbelief. So that's why we've been teaching, teaching you on how to believe. Now, in James, go to James chapter 1. Let's look at a couple of things. James chapter 1. Go to verse 5. James chapter 1, verse 5. says, this, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Who giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given. Now notice, this is what I want you to zero in on. But let him ask in faith. Everybody say in faith. faith. Say it again. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Do you see that? Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed, for let not that man or woman think shall he think that he shall receive anything of God. I pay attention to that. If there was a scripture in the Bible that said, if you do this, you get nothing from God, I'd try to figure out what that scripture meant. Amen. Now notice what it says. Let not that man think he shall receive anything, anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable. Now notice this. In all of his ways. Everybody say double-minded. double-minded. Now, let me tell you something. We see that in the Bible, and we think, well, uh, you know, I don't know. I might believe, I might not believe, I, uh, I think I believe. That's all double-mindedness. But double-mindedness does not work. Notice, notice what it says. It does not work in any area. A double mind is unstable. A double-minded mind is unstable in what? All of his ways. Now, think if you were double-minded in your marriage. I just think that, think of that. Let's just pull it, take it out of faith, put it into your marriage. Uh I love you, I think. <laughs> I'm so glad I married you. Maybe. Come on. What if you did it financially with your money? You know, you get your you got your bill of groceries, you're over at Kroger, you're over at your your well, I I want that. No, no, don't. No, 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 no. Uh, no, no, I, yeah, I do want that. No, no, I don't want that. No, yeah, 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 no, 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 I don't. yeah. I mean, you, you, somebody would knock you upside your head. Yeah. Amen? Any endeavor in life. You could not be a success in any endeavor in life being double-minded. Yeah. Amen? Amen? You, it just doesn't work. You're unstable in all of your ways. So you're going to have to address double-mindedness in your mind when it comes to the word of God. Because the first thing the enemy tries to do to you when you walk out the door, according to Matthew, excuse, excuse me, according to Mark chapter four, he tries to steal the word. Steal the word. Yeah, you know, I mean, you'll be walking out, and maybe you need healing or you need financial. And the enemy will say, that don't work. That don't work. Now, now let me, just, let me help you because we've been studying spirit, the, the authority of the believer on Sundays. We're going to study the devil on Sunday. You need to be here to hear this. But you've got to understand the power of your adversary. His power lies in suggestion. All of the temptations of Jesus were suggestions. The, the, uh, the, 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 the lie that he used to deceive the woman in the garden began with a Suggestion. So what he does is he suggests things to you. Well, you didn't get no healing down there. You didn't feel nothing. You still got pain in your body. You still have symptoms. Prosperity. You put that money in your in that plate when that went, you go you out of your mind. That guy's just gonna go down and buy him a new suit of clothes or something. I mean, he'll, he'll do anything he can do to get you to be double minded about what the word says. Now notice what it says it says double minded. So where's this going on? In your mind. And that's what we just studied for three weeks, how to win the warfare of your mind. So many people are defeated because they're defeated in their mind. The enemy suggests everything from fear to unbelief to doubt to loneliness to isolation. And he tries to paint a picture of your destruction in the future to try to get get you into fear. This is you a week from now. This is you a month from now. This is you a year from now. And this is what you'll look like. And if you entertain that imagination, then you will become double-minded. But the Word of God has the ability to paint the picture of what redemption has wrought for you. That's why it's so important to stay steady on the Word. Yes. Amen. Now, it's an exposure issue. Amen. Amen. Your, your, your mind is like camera film. I mean, we don't even consider that anymore because we have all this uh, digital stuff, you know. You take pictures with your phone, all that kind of stuff. But how many remember back in the day when you used to have to go to the drugstore and take that bag in there, you know, and make sure you unwound that film the right way so you didn't expose it and go in there? Well, your mind is like that. Whatever you expose it to will imprint, it'll just imprint. And, and if you continually expose yourself to doubt and unbelief and, and all kinds of things that go contrary to the Word of God, and the, the worst enemy you have is your current situation. Because it communicates to you. Financial problems communicate to you. When you look at the, at the stack of bills sitting there on your desk, you know. I, mean, I like the story about the guy that, you know, the, 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 the creditors kept calling him and calling him. You know, you'd pay this bill. You better pay this bill. You better pay this bill. So finally got fed up with it. Some guy called and said, you know, you're going to have to pay this bill. We're going to do this or that. He said, let me tell you something, buddy. He said, I pay my bills by the draw method. The guy said, the draw method? He said, yeah, I stack them all up, shuffle them up, and I draw out three and pay three every month. You call me one time, one more time, I'm going to take you out of the draw. But, you know, the enemy, he'll he'll show you your car being repossessed. He'll show you getting kicked out of your house. He'll show you all of that, and he'll do it in vivid color. And he'll try to bombard your mind with that. And any little physical thing that happens, he'll he'll have you, you know, with terminal cancer. And all it was was a mosquito bite. That's why you can't entertain that. You must constantly expose yourself to the Word of God. Because whatever you expose yourself to develops. Amen. Amen. Uh, we have a lot of people come here that, 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 that fight addictions. I, I, a guy caught me back in the four year. It was right after the storm. And uh, he said, Pastor, pray for me that God would take this weed habit from you. That's exactly how take this weed habit from you. I looked at him and I said, what's he going to do with it if he takes it from you? But when I said that, the light came on in his head. He said, I see that. You don't pray that God will take it. You pray that God gives you the power to put it down. It's the same way with anything else. All these things that are in the Word of God that belong to us through redemption, your meditation upon that and your exposure exposure to that solidifies the reality of it in your life And it doesn't matter what your senses tell you. Because faith has the ability to override the senses. No, you need to hear that again. Faith has the ability to override the senses. True faith has the ability to override the senses. That's why a person in great pain, with a great disease, with a great amount of problems in his body, can stand and lift their hands and worship God and say, Thank you, Heavenly Father. By His stripes, I am healed in Jesus' name. Even though their body is hurting, even though they're taking treatments, it does not matter. Something has taken place in their heart. Their mind can't talk it out of it. They know they've received from God. That's what faith does. Faith, the Bible says in the Amplified, is the title deed of everything that belongs to you. Did you know the Bible is your will? We have the greatest setup there's ever been made. How many like setups? I used to use the word a gimme, but most people look at me like, what's he talking about? You know, like that's a gimme. Or a setup. You say, what do you mean a setup? Now, a will that has... Everything you need. Cure for cancer. Millions of dollars. Deliverance. Blessings in your marriage. Blessings for your children. All of that. All, it's a will. It is a New Testament. Well, pastor, that's cool, but somebody's got to die. Somebody did. So that the will can be activated. But the good news is the person that died to activate the will came back as your attorney to probate it. You got, if you get that, it'll change your life. Not only does He come back as your attorney to probate it, He stands before His Heavenly Father and your Heavenly Father who is the judge that wrote the will. That's called a gimme. Amen? A sure thing. Everybody say a sure thing. Well, you never know what God will do. He works in mysterious ways, His wonders to perform. That's not in the Bible. What is in the Bible is that God has already given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, that through the precious promises of God, we can be partakers of the divine nature. 2 Peter chapter 1. Amen? Now, Now, here in the book of James, if that's the problem, being double-minded doesn't work in any human endeavor. Business, marriage, nup-nup, it creates the uh, I don't know syndrome. I I don't know. Did you receive from God? I don't know. Are you saved? I don't know. That's what it creates. And if you're double-minded long enough, it turns you into a cynic, a critical cynic. Amen? You don't believe that stuff, do you? I remember I was witnessing to a guy one time, and after I finished witnessing to him, this is what he did. He looked at me, and he said, you are absolutely crazy. That's what he said to me. I said, what? He said, you are absolutely, do you really believe that? I said, I do. I said, not only do I believe it, I've proved it. He said, you are absolutely crazy. Now, that's a cynic. That's what it is. I hope that I hope somebody other than me has approached him with the gospel because if he continues to maintain that mindset, he'll die and go to hell. Amen. He was he was working his way working his way to heaven. He'll, he'll find out that Led Zeppelin was wrong. I mean, no, Led Zeppelin was wrong. There's no stairway to heaven. There's only Jesus that gets you to heaven. Now, same chapter, chapter one of James. Verse 22, how's my time? Where did my time go? Verse 22, same chapter, chapter 1. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way straight away and forgetteth what manner of man he was but whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. Might be a little truth there. And continueth therein, he be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Now let me read that again. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty. That's what we're doing tonight. We're looking into the perfect law of liberty. That book, that, that, that iPad, that, that, that printing on that phone, whatever it is, that is the perfect law of liberty right there. That is the Word of God. It is the perfect law of liberty. Amen? Amen. Now, if you look into it, now we're doing that as a church. We're doing But now, it's your decision to continue therein. Amen. Amen. Are you going to pick it back up Tomorrow? Are you going to pick it back up on on Friday, on Saturday? Come have it preached again to you on Sunday? Listen, you've got to continue therein. Because if you'll continue therein, what will happen? It says you'll be a, you being not a forgetful hearer, but you'll be a doer of the work. Everybody say a doer of the work. You shall be blessed in your deed. Your faith has to be heard. Everybody say heard. It has to be seen. Everybody say seen. And it has to be celebrated. That's your praise and your worship. That's your thanking God. That's how it works. And listen, it does not not work. Say, well, I know somebody that did all that and it didn't work. Well, they, there's something they didn't do. Amen. Amen. Something was wrong. A door was open somewhere. Something was going on. They needed to, to, to judge themselves and figure out what was going on. Because if it does not work, that's not on God. It's not God. I, well, i got all these people. I'm blessing them. I just don't like that person. See, people think that about God. say, so, well, it rains on the just and the unjust, but you're the just. You're the justified. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. You're the new creature. You're, you're, you're the one that Jesus died for. You're the one that has received what he died to get to you. And because of that, you don't need to be blessed. You're already blessed. You just need to be a doer of the work. Now, notice what it calls it. Work. It's work. That means you got to do it every day. How how often do you go to work? Well, every day. What do you do at work? Well, I just sit there and do nothing. Could you give me a job where you're at? Because every place I've ever worked, I've had to do something. And it always varied from, you know, Something very hard to something not so very hard. But I, hey, listen, if I didn't show up, if I didn't do any work, I didn't get paid. There's no reward. You say, well, you're just talking about works. It's not works. It's the work. Everybody say the work. Which means there is a labor that you must enter into so that what you're laboring to do becomes a passion for you. You know, one of our greatest illustrations, I'll close with this. One of our greatest illustrations is athletes that, that, that they, they make it, you know, all the way to the professional ranks where they really get, you know, paid some money to do that. Because all things being equal, you know, how many kids are going to, this summer are playing t-ball and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the coach pitch, and then they start pitching and then on up to pony league. and uh, how, many, how many kids are playing that in America? Millions. How many are getting paid millions of dollars to do that? Not so many. A few hundred. So their entire life, if somebody's going to make it to be a professional baseball player, how do they get there? They work. And they work. And they practice. And they work. And they work. And they work. Now, if you go to them the day that they're playing in the seventh game of the World Series and say to them, how do you like your job? What are they going to say? They're going to say, "What job? Amen. This is my life. I've lived my whole life to be here. I've, I've all the practice from the time I was six years old to has gotten me here. Now, what was their labor is their passion, or else they wouldn't be where they're at. You understand what I'm saying? they had to work their way into a place in which their labor became... Now, there's people that do that in other areas of life, people that do that in business, people that do that in other areas, but mainly we see it in athletic endeavors because so few people get to that place where they're actually paid the millions of dollars to just go out and swing a bat at a ball. Come on. Amen? But God says if you'll start... And do the, do the, just, just get into the Word. Study the Word every day. Learn to pray. Go to church. Have the Word taught to you. Get under the teaching of the Word of God. Listen to revelation knowledge. Hear when the Holy Ghost speaks to you. Allow faith to rise up. Sure, it's a labor, but eventually, they can't find the cancer in your body no more. Eventually, the windfall financially comes into your life. Eventually, the marriage gets healed. The family gets healed. Eventually, you think, oh my goodness, This works. This works. And when you ever get to the place in your life where you really see it works, even though you've been laboring, it still surprises you. Because He does exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think. So if you can ask or think it, He does more than that. And you're like, oh my God, this is what happens when you live and walk by faith? You mean this is how God does things? And it blows your mind. You're like, it just blows your mind. And if you enter into a lifestyle like that, then next thing you know, 10, 20, 30 years go by and you can't live any other way. You can't live any other way because you are drawing life from the source of life itself. Listen, this is my last statement. I don't care what level it's on. Driving a Rolls Royce, living in the nicest house on the island, flying your own private jet, or living under the bridge at 61st Street everything in between. The sum total of life without Jesus is existence till death runs its course. Whether you live it in the penthouse or the poorhouse, Doesn't matter. But Jesus said, I am come, come, come that you might have life. That's the word zoe. And you might have life. That's the God kind of life. And that you might have it in abundance. And because God sent his only begotten son, Jesus, then every whosoever that will make a decision to serve God and enter into that life has the potential for the greatest life enhancement that can ever happen to them that is not self put on by self that God does to them. I mean, sometimes you just kind of feel guilty. Amen? You look around and you think, God's done all this. What did I do to deserve this? Nothing. All you did was believe. And you know, if you win the rat race, what are you? You're the winning rat. But God has so much more for every person in here, every individual. So much more for your family, so much more for your health, so much more for your prosperity, so much more for the peace of your mind. How, what is that worth? What is it worth to know that you know that you know? Not to you, I believe if I die, I'm going to go to heaven. No, no, to know. To know, and to know that it's what? It's far better Amen. to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. That erases that whole stigma of death. Amen. No more sting, no victory in the grave, no more. Our, our, our funerals around here, our life celebrations. Yeah. Amen. I mean, we, uh, who was I saw George here at Ann's funeral, at my mom's funeral. We almost had camp meetings. I mean, tell me if I'm right, George. There were people that requested the CD of the funeral service. Am I right? Now, can you imagine going to a funeral service where after the service, people request the CD of the funeral service? That was Ann Sims' funeral. You say, why? Because she's in heaven. And we don't believe it. We know it. Stand on your feet. Hallelujah. I'll get to preaching. We'll go to midnight. Lift your hands and worship the Lord. Thank God for the word of God tonight. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that the entrance of your word brings life and light to us. Thank you forever, O Lord. Your word is settled in heaven. Thank you, Father. Your Your word is working mightily in us. Your word is working mightily in us. Your word is working mightily in us. Changing circumstances, changing situations, causing blessing to flow, healing to manifest, prosperity to come. We thank you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We glorify your name. Now, Father, we thank you as we leave tonight, as we depart to our homes, we declare your word. Psalms 91, no evil befalls us, no plague comes near our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. We thank you, Father, whether we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, or the railways. We're protected of God. Lord, in the righteous labor of our hands and the jobs, the work we have to do, the resource we need to handle. Thank you, Father, we're not subject to accidents, trauma, terror, evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. We abide under the shadow of the Most High thank you heavenly father as we leave tonight there is a door of utterance for us as we walk out of this building we thank you outside of the four walls of island church is a hurting confused world that needs jesus and we thank you that we bear him we are the bearers of the good news let us be an answer to people's prayers a problem to the devil a miracle in people's lives Fathers, we leave tonight. We walk in faith and love towards you. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Lord. Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone